You are continuing to look at the dash. And uh, we started last week by looking at the poem by Ms. Ellis about how our lives on our tombstones have three different things. We have the date we're born, and then a dash, and then the day we died. And interestingly enough, that little dash represents our entire life, all the time lived between the day we were born and the day that we died. And at the end of the poem, the question is, how are you spending your dash? Now, if uh, the same is true of Jesus, though, if you stop and think about it, we mentioned this last week, Jesus was born. Jesus lived here on the face of this earth, and then he was crucified and dead and buried. And this is where things start to change because he rose from the dead and he's ascended into heaven and he's seated now at the right hand of God the Father and he's going to be coming back to judge the living and the dead. He was born at a specific point in time. He died at a specific point in time. Jesus had a dash. And to me, that's so important because we can learn so much from how he lived his dash and what he has told us about how we should be living our dash. And also he's told us all these different things that he came for that are a part of our dash that should be making our dash exactly what God intended it to be. I talked about three other things last week. There were four things, different aspects. I want to zero in today on the fact that Jesus lived humbly before his heavenly father while he was here on the face of the earth. And there's a passage that really uh, highlights this, and it's Philippians, the second chapter, the fifth through the eighth verses. The Bible says, Your mind should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. Listen to this. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What an example of biblical humility. This verse challenges us to be the same as Christ. And it's about our character while we're living here below. Now, the thing is that humility here is talking about us being humble before the Lord. I just noticed the other day, there's no way to be prideful and to be saved. There's no way that you can humble yourself to the point uh, where you realize 
that you have offended God and you need to ask for his forgiveness. It struck me, and I've shared this with Sharon, that there's a word that we don't talk about a whole lot in church jargon anymore, and that's mercy. We talk about grace a whole lot, but you know what? Without mercy, there is no grace. Grace does be, it begins, it's only because of God's grace, yes, that we can even ask for his mercy. But remember, mercy is whenever you don't get what you do deserve. And this is one of the things that's left out today is the fact that every one of us has sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, and what we deserve is death and hell. But because of God's grace, he has made a way to show us mercy and to forgive us. But we have to come and ask him. That's what repentance is, you see. And nobody wants to talk about repentance. We want to just say, well, I deserve it because God's, gave, God's given it to everybody. No, it's for those who receive it humbly. And so there's no way to be prideful and even be saved. Uh, Peter put it this way. He said, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And then he goes on and talks and he says, casting all your burdens upon him because he cares for you. The first burden that we should ever cast on him is the burden of sin that separates us from the love of God. Now, character has to do with your entire being. Reputation is uh, what people, is who people think you are based on what they see and they hear. But the thing is, is that character is who you are when nobody's looking. That's the litmus test. Who's really are you when nobody's looking? This uh, earth, our dash, is preparation ground where God is building our character to make us more and more like himself to get us ready for eternity. God gives us uh, two things to build our character, two gifts. And uh, the thing is, is the, the first one is God's word, the Bible. It builds your soul and it builds your character if you allow it to grasp you. I remember a long, long time ago in uh, uh, Perkins Chapel, uh, a minister standing up and saying that he had been preaching somewhere uh, uh, the Sunday before and the person coming out the gate as he was out there, not the gate, out the door as he was shaping, shaking hands, held up his Bible in this preacher's face and said, do you believe in this book? Do you believe everything in this book? And the minister took it, he said, and he said, if the book grasps you, not if you grasp the book. We have to let God's word 
speak to us, to our hearts. It's not something just to go to, to look for blessings. It's not something to go to just to look for how we're going to get something from God. It's God's word to us as to how we should be living our dash. Do you see? So uh, God's word, it builds our soul and our character. Now, David is referred to in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. God refers to him that way. He wanted to please and to bless the Lord with his entire being. In fact, in Psalm 103, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and for all that is within me, and forget not all of his benefits. But David talked to his soul, and I think that's important. And in Psalm 119, verses 24 and 25, I think you can see David's heart and his desire in relation to God. He says, your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Now, talk about the Lord's testimonies. These are his commands and his instructions uh, in the law where God reveals to us what pleases him and what doesn't please him. When you love someone, you want to please them. You want to bless them. David loved the Lord. He wanted to please him. He wanted to bless him. And the place that he had found that he could explore the Lord's heart and find out what would be a blessing to him was God's word. And so he says, these testimonies, though these things are where I can find out what you want and do my best to give them to you. But now then, uh, he, he, then he says, your words are my counselor. They show me how to live the best life. They show me how to live the life that's pleasing to you. And then listen to what he says about his soul, though. He says, my soul cleaves to the dust. Now, we were made from dust. We were made from earth. And basically what he's saying is, my soul doesn't want to let go of the world. My soul is wanting earthly things. But my spirit wants you. And so then he says, revive me according to your word. Refresh my life. Renew it in accordance with your word. Now, the thing is, we need to take heed of this example that David gives us here. He knows that his soul needs training. And as I've said, there are times whenever he he speaks to his soul. And uh, like in Psalm 103. And uh, one of the reasons why we uh, should read the Bible is because it 
helps us find out what's important to him. And the other thing is that our spirits have to train our souls. That's the way we bless the Lord. We find out what's important to him, but then we have to train our souls to give the Lord what's important to him. Now, see, God's created us in three parts. I don't know if you ever really thought about that. We are a trichotomy. We are body, soul, and spirit. And uh, God created our spirits to relate to him. He created our souls to relate to him and to his creation. His creation, including other human beings, as well as plants and animals and trees and all the other things that we know and connect with creation. And he created our bodies to relate to his creation. Now, here's the problem. When Adam and Eve sinned, their spirits died. If you remember, God said, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. They did it. The very thing he told them not to do, that's what they did. Now, their bodies didn't die, but death set in and eventually they died. But their bodies didn't die immediately and their souls didn't die immediately because you can remember that uh, they said he heard that Adam heard the Lord uh, walking. He says, Adam said, I heard you walk in the garden and I was afraid. Now, fear, that's an emotion. And uh, he's, he says, and so I made a choice in my will to hide because I thought that would be the best thing for me to do. You see, apart from his spirit being alive, he thinks differently as far as his relationship with God. As I thought about this, I remembered uh, uh, a tale my wife shared with me after she'd gotten back from a a shopping trip with uh, one of our children who will remain nameless as I tell this tale uh, for the sake of family uh, harmony and to avoid embarrassment among uh, someone who's now grown. But uh, the thing is, is that uh, she had taken this child to Foley's downtown Houston to buy some clothes for the child. And so she's there in the children's department and she's uh, 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 looking through clothes and, and she, uh, you know, I think she's probably showing them to this child. And uh, then she turned around and she picked something up and she turned back around and this child was ready to try them on. The child was standing there buck naked, except for his little clacky shoes, just standing there. Well, here they are in the middle of a downtown major department store. Her child is standing there without a stitch on. So she did what any mother would do. She screamed out this child's name. So just like Adam decided what was the best for him to do, whatever he heard the Lord When this child heard their name screamed, this child thought that the best thing for them to do would be to just hook them, 
just to leave the premises immediately and just set out running as fast as this child could. Well, mom had to chase down her naked running kid and then try to gather the clothes back together and get the back on this particular individual. But you see, the, our, our souls, apart from the spirit, handle things differently and our relationship with God is different than it is when our souls are made alive. So uh, the thing is, Adam and Eve in the garden, their wills and emotions and their minds were still working, but their spirits died because God said, you eat from this, you'll die. And their spirits died and they were separated from God because they didn't have a living spirit to connect with him. Their spirits were dead. In Ephesians, it says, And we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And he, talking about Jesus Christ, has made us alive. He made us alive when we came to Christ. Now, remember what Jesus said? He says, The thief comes but to kill and to steal and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, how many times have we just skipped over the first part of that and gone right to the second part and started talking about abundant life? But the first part is so important. I've come that you might have life. You see, our spirits were dead. They were not alive before God. It's great to have an abundant life. But he actually said, I came that you might have a life. And then the abundant part comes in. You're not even alive without me, he says. You're existing, but you're not alive. I came that you might have life. You So our spirits died. So the problem is that Adam and Eve learned to relate to God only without their spirits, only by what they could reason in their own minds and what they wanted and what they felt was best from their own viewpoint, from their own standpoint. The mind, the will, and the emotions, those are the things that make up the soul. The mind is what we think, the will is what we want, and emotions is what we feel. Many times, interestingly, the soul is referred to as the flesh. Uh, it's not the body. It's, uh, it's what's animating the body. The flesh is because, you see, our soul relates to the world. Our soul relates to carnal things. And uh, but so emotions, what we feel. Now, I lived for 28 years before my spirit became alive in Christ. And from that moment on, my quickened spirit loved the Lord and wanted to serve him. And so my spirit 
had to tell my soul, from now on, we're going to do things God way. What I want, what I feel, what I think doesn't matter anymore. Only what God wants, feels, and thinks is really important. Okay? And my soul said, oh yeah, sure. No, that's not what my soul, my soul ignored me, ignored my spirit. Because you see, our minds are like this fabulous computer, the most wondrous computer ever created. And it stores data. It stores all sorts of things. It stores experiences. It stores what it's seen other people do. It stores, it determines, okay, parents want to protect me. Parents want good for me. So I can really relate to what they're saying and learn from what I observe from them. Our minds take all this data in. And our experiences with other people, if we do something and we get hurt, we remember that. If someone does something to us and it hurts, we remember it. And if we run across somebody else that's like that person, we're going to want to steer clear of them because our mind has discovered that those kind of people can hurt you. Our mind stores all this stuff, our experiences. And this is one of the things that makes uh, psychology work. You know, psychology, I've discovered, is the study of the unregenerate human mind. It's the study of the soul. But this is just it. We're not creative like God. And apart from the Lord being involved in our lives, we're going to, our, our minds are going to start to loop and we're going to wind up sometimes in downward spirals. Alcohol addiction is a good example of that. Our mind discovers that whenever we, some, certain things happen, we need to take a drink. And so that is something that's programmed into us. And it's very difficult to stop that, isn't it? Our minds are also creatures of habit And they get to be pretty close-minded, if you will, after a while, because they know how these things work. And then along comes the Lord, and our spirits come alive, and our minds and our souls don't really want to cooperate because the Lord is calling us to things that might be painful, one of the first things, whenever I came to know the Lord, I said, I said, Lord, if, if I start living the way that I know you want me to live, I'm going to have to make myself vulnerable. I'm going to have to stick my neck out. And I've had my neck whacked too many times. I've li- learned how to live a guarded life. And if I start sharing myself with, deeply with other people, which you have to do in order to love, They might hurt me. And I've told you what the Lord's response was. He said, yeah, 11 out of 12 ain't bad. He shared himself deeply with 12 men, didn't he? One of them really betrayed him. Others had a way to go, obviously, but one really betrayed him to the point of death. So uh, the thing is, is that our minds 
through these wonderful computers, but they have to be reprogrammed by our spirit. And this is where God's word comes in because it helps us to just like David discovered, find out what's pleasing to God and find how we're supposed to be living our dash in the way that God created us to be and to live it. But I found myself just where Paul, I took great comfort when I saw that Paul uh, was wrestling with the same thing that I found myself wrestling with. Because you see, uh, the best gauge, I've shared this with you before, uh, of what I should do or say in any situation in life from that point on, when I first got started, I knew that the, that the thing that was going to please the Lord was just the opposite of what I was thinking about doing. I just knew that that was just it. I was programmed the wrong way. And I had to turn my, my soul around. So after 28 years of handling things my way, the way I thought, the way I felt, the way I thought things ought to be, I had to start paying attention to what the Lord wanted. And I found myself in this spot where Paul was. And he says this in Romans, the seventh chapter, the 18th through the 25th verses. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, see, in my soul, the law of sin. If we're going to live humbly before God in the flesh that we have been given, we're going to have to stay in God's word. And our spirits uh, need to bring our souls in line with God's will. You see, this is part of, this is spiritual growth. Your spirit training your soul. Now, the second thing that builds our character, this is good news. You're going to love this. The second thing that builds character is problems. Problems build character. Goethe put it this way. A talent is formed in stillness. A character is formed in the world's torrents.
Now, I like God's word a whole lot more than I do problems. Let's face it. But the truth is that some of the greatest blessings in our lives come disguised to us as problems. Some of you are going through the most difficult problems you've ever gone through in your lives right now. And I find that life is always moving on two tracks. There are great things happening in my life, and then there are tough things happening in my life. All at the same time. And every one of us has problems. If you have a pulse, you're having problems. Every one of us have painful things going on in our lives right now. But here's the good news. Those problems can't stop God's plan for us. They can't stop us from reliving our dash the way that the Lord has called us to live it. In fact, they are opportunities to show whose you are in the dash. God is not going to allow your problems to be wasted. Instead, he takes them, he redeems them, and he uses them for good. If you'll recall Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purposes. I realized a long time ago, and I used to try to strive to get to this point where I had everything wired, everything nailed down, everything just put exactly where it was supposed to be. I wanted to wake up some Saturday morning and not have to worry about one thing. All the bills paid. No more debt. No more uh, 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 chores to be done. All the chores done. Everything taken care of. And I used to try to get that in. Every, every week I couldn't get it done. I never did get to a Saturday when there wasn't something still hanging fire. Something still nagging back there. And I finally realized that the day I wake up and all those things are taken care of is going to be the day I die. When I wake up in heaven, everything's going to be cool. Everything's going to be, I'm not going to, if, if I left, I might worry about what I didn't get done from up there. Who knows? But the thing is, that's just the way it is. I realized a long time ago and, uh, that uh, I needed to start looking at my problems differently. I need to start looking at them as what they really were. For a Christian, a problem is a challenge in life where we can see how God is going to glorify himself in our life and through our life. So uh, the thing, it, 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 and, and knowing that, realizing that, and having faith and knowing that the Lord's going to help you with everything that you face takes you from the place where you wake up in the morning and said, good Lord, it's morning to say, good morning, Lord. You know, there's such a difference, the same words, but such a difference. I've also discovered that when I face challenges in my life, there are always people watching. 
Now, we don't live our lives for what other people think, but you know they are watching. In hindsight, I can see that often my most painful moments have been the most important moments of Christian witness that I have ever lived as I was faithful in facing what I was facing or facing even who I was facing as I did it with the Lord as my audience. It made all the difference in the world in the lives of people around me. There have been many times when I've come through an onslaught of some kind and had someone come up to me after it was all over and it's everything was back to normal and had people say to me in one form or another, you've shown me that faithfulness is the way to go and that it can be done. I can live a faithful life and the Lord will help me as I do so. Now, a lot of people are going to be telling you how to live your life. But at the end of your life, there's only one opinion that matters. We live before an audience of one, your heavenly father. And what we, what I want, whenever I get up there and I stand before him and he has seen everything that happened in my dash, More than anything else, I want to hear him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. No, you didn't have it all together. You made some mistakes, but you were fully you. You were fully the person that I created you to be. You were who I made you to be. Well done, good and faithful servant servant. Yesterday is, uh, 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 yesterday morning, uh, while Sharon was gone, the termite inspector showed up. Now, this is the third time that she's tried to inspect our house. The first time uh, I had an annual meeting that I could not miss taking place uh, in Marshall, Texas. I had to go to this meeting. Then, uh, the next time that she called, wanted to come out and inspect, I was driving Sharon to the hospital while Sharon was having a heart attack. And I had to explain to her that we were having a family crisis at the moment and we couldn't make it. So she graciously said, I'll call you back later. So this time she showed up and Sharon was doing so much better. She was out shopping. And whenever she finished the inspection, then... Uh, uh, I, we were wrapping things up and she explained to me that, uh, wasn't it, wasn't, she didn't find any damage. And I hadn't had any, I haven't had a woman ask me this in a long time. She said, what are your plans for the rest of the day? Now, she'd been through our whole house and I'm sure she had, she'd been through my study and she knew that I did something that was a little bit different from what other people did by the way my office looked. And so she wasn't trying to flirt with me or anything. I know that. And I just said, well, uh, I'm going to be spending the rest of my day uh, getting my message ready. And I'm a retired minister. And so she said, oh, what you going to be talking about? 
And so I kind of gave her a quick rehash of what we talked about last week and talked about where I was going to be going this week. And before I could even turn around to get it, get it finish things up, she was preaching to me. And she had just flat said, now, you know, and then we both agreed, it's not how much money you have. It's not uh, things like this. What it really is, is have you lived your life the way the Lord wants it lived? And she just flat said, whenever I stand before him, the only thing I want is for him to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's what every Christian wants, brothers and sisters. That's what it's all about. And if we want to hear him say that, we, it starts right now in how we live the dash. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.